China infiltrates our everyday lives even more by embedding itself within the Fed. An amendment to the Tennessee Constitution allowing the Tennessee government to become part owners in private businesses needs to die a very quick death. And consider this your call to action to get off your butt and go vote, as turnout for this season's primaries are already historically low. I'm John Fender, along with Gary Humble and Kevin Kukaji. This is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Hey, uh, the date this comes out, it's August 3rd right now. If you're listening right. to this, it's August 3rd. If you're listening to it the day it comes out, it's August 3rd. Which means uh, tomorrow, August 4th, is a big day. Yeah, election day. Election day. All across the state of Tennessee. And in the <clears throat> old days, it was the only day you could vote. It's true. And it should be the only day that you can vote. Well, but, okay, so why, why, why are you against the early voting? Because early voting always is subject to shenanigans. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Love if that word. We always used to be able to vote in one day. And if you go to every country that loses its freedom, it's because they've extended voting. And remember, it started with early voting. Then they started having shenanigans with absentees, and then they'd hold them out until they need them and kind of throw them in. And, and then um, in 2020, many laws were changed in states that allowed them to accept votes after the election. So we keep expanding when you can vote not only before the election, but now after the election. When did early voting start? When, when, when was that implemented? That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. And why? It was, like, what was the original reason? <laughs> not, not the nefarious reason. What was the reason that was what given? What was the reason well, that con- was given? Convenience. Yeah. So that you give everyone an opportunity to vote, right? That's the, that's the reason. To make sure that every vote is counted? Is that but, the right <laughs> way to say it? <laughs> But isn't, like, the voting day, legally an employer has to let somebody go vote, correct? I believe so. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. Well, that's a whole other discussion, I guess, to get into. And I will say, too. The origin of early voting. You know, early voting is different in every state. I've I've talked to some folks at several of our events that are here, you know, moved here from other states. And when they find out here in Tennessee, and again, I don't know how long this has been the case, but... Our early voting period is two weeks. We have two weeks. Right. So this this particular election, early voting um, has gone from July 15th to July 30th. And when folks find out that we have a two-week early voting period in Tennessee, they are shocked. Like, their eyes are, what? Um, like, we're not just talking about two or three days. Yeah. You know, two weeks think, early voting. Think if you have access to voter information as it comes in and— and I, I think people would be in extreme denial to pretend that someone doesn't have access to all of this, you know, once you have it on machines. Think of all of the trouble you can cause and the changes that you can make once you know what your opponent, right? If you have in advance decided we want X candidate to win and you see from all the early votes how many votes have come in for the other candidate, then that will help you if you are a cheater – that will help you be able to adjust the vote to reach the number that you want it to reach in the same way that we see election fraud after the election. Remember in 2020 when the count was coming in Pennsylvania and Trump was up by seven or 800,000 votes and then all of a sudden it stops so that, of course, they can go get – they know exactly what the number is or very close to what the number is that they need. So let's go generate all of these mules and bring in these extra votes so, it, yeah, that's what I mean by shenanigans. In the front end and in the back end, it gives someone with nefarious intent, and we know there are many, 
the opportunity to change and mm. to take away your franchise by diluting it with someone or a number or an illegal vote or a, a dead <clears throat> vote, right? Someone who's voting in different um, jurisdictions, someone who is not a citizen. Yeah, it's 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 all of that is narrow. It doesn't mean that fraud is eliminated on election day, but the opportunity for fraud is greatly reduced. Okay. Well, I rabbit trailed us there a little bit. Sorry. <clears throat> no, tomorrow, it's relevant. Tomorrow's, yeah, it's good. tomorrow's voting day. And we can camp there on a few issues. I know we've got something else to talk about too, but you know, on the elections, you know, let's talk about some of the possible shenanigans. You know, we don't know if they're shenanigans or not. But before we say that, I'll, I'll say about the voter turnout. I have to say, I'm very dis. I'm, I think I think the right word is disappointed and and a little bit shocked at the voter turnout so far. And maybe, and maybe it's because that some people are waiting to vote on election day. I don't know. It could be, but Cookie family. Yeah, I, I do. Well, I wait, and, and myself. So all of us. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm voting on election day as well. But the concern, though, is our voter turnout, um, far early voting traditionally, is down significantly this year. We had gone through – I trended the voter turnout back to 2008, and we, we trended that. That basically gave us an expectation for this – and here, at least I'm speaking here in Williamson County. That set the expectation to have 36,000 – Voters in the Republican primary, if if total total okay. thirty six thousand total Republican primary voters, if things just trend out, based on population, based on number of registered voters, based on the fact that this is a gubernatorial year, even though we don't have a contested election, but we have a very hotly contested congressional race here mm-hmm. in the fifth. Mm-hmm. So, with all those factors, we expect thirty six thousand voters, and 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 unless there is a huge anomaly on election day if things just all things considered equal right now i would say the expectation would be 30,000 which mm-hmm. is not only here's what i want the audience to understand that's not only 6,000 less than we projected but that's also 2,000 less than the amount of primary voters we had in 2018 in mm-hmm. 2018 4 years ago we had 32,000 republican primary voters so right now we are on track and and I and I'll say it like this you know after all that's happened after covid the lockdowns after all of the frustration after all the things that have died you know in committee legislatively and also this election includes our school board mm-hmm. you know school board that's the nonsense that's happening in our schools I'm a little bit shocked that voter turnout is so low and that we could actually have less voter turnout in the primary this year than we did four years ago. So I, Gary and I had lunch the other day, and I, I think we talked about this a little bit. I have three <clears throat> reasons I think why that's the case. Next time, by the way, an invitation would be nice. All right. Heard. That's, that's his fault. Heard. He invited me. Okay. <laughs> He, he was throwing out the invites. Heard. Probably wanted to talk about me. I just always me. feel like Kevin's busy. I'm like, he's... Well, a- I am, but... I would appreciate the invitation, so at least I can <laughs> <Okay>. respectfully decline. <laughs> all right. Heard. Gary can't deal with the rejection. That's, that's, all, that's what it is. I'm getting enough right now. <laughs> One, I think, uh, I think historically, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is correct. Historically, the Republican base generally votes on voting day. 
more than collectively Democrats. more than the D- Democratic Party does. Yeah, I don't have. I think that's correct, but I don't have any data in front of me to confirm. So I think it. that's one. That feels true. I think that's one. I th- <laughs> that's a new standard. <laughs> that feels true. Yeah, I don't Holy usually say. Moly. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, Can we? Are we going to erase that before we put the final version of the podcast? No, are we gonna, it's we're going to keep. It makes that? a point. Oh. I think it makes a point that yeah, it does make a point. You're kind of like the transgender when you say that, right? I know you don't mean it, but isn't it amazing? <laughs> it I, feels I, true. to I me. identify with or, or, that statement being true, or the changing <laughs> the definition of a recession like that too. You know, I feel yes. like we the recession. This is not really what a recession is. <laughs> this is what it is. Um. Where was I? I don't even know where I was. <laughs> Sorry, that, we got that the Republican track. base typically that's, votes yes. on election. That's number day. one. Number two, I think you're coming out of a. So let's talk specifically to the school board issue. Like that was a hot issue while school is in session. So you're coming out of a summer when people haven't even had think about school. So I think all of the school drama has probably worn off a little bit. And I'm going to say my third point. My third point is not derogatory towards audience at all, but like, I think collectively as a whole, the United States of America has a very short memory. Mm. Extremely short memory. Mm, I agree, unfortunately. And we here in Tennessee, we're not, I mean, we're wide open. We're not dealing with anything COVID-related anymore, really. And haven't been for a while. And I think people have already gotten comfortable with that. Mm. And I I don't think it's pushing people to polls like it would have if a poll had happened a year and a half ago. Those are my three points. I, I think it does speak to the danger. And, and, and I don't know if we talked about that on this podcast earlier this year or if it was just in a conversation, but the danger that our side faces when the government goes heavy tyranny, heavy regulation, heavy take away our liberties, and then just kind of lifts its foot off the gas just enough Right to make it appear as if they've surrendered everything they've taken when they really or, haven't. Right, or or, no, or knowing that the American population's memory is so short, is so short. that it's just let go of it a little bit for let just enough time yep, for get, everybody to forget. Get through the we'll elections, yeah, and that that's that is a great concern to me, and it has been a great concern. What happens after the elections? Not so much the primary, but what happens after November when all of the politicos get comfortable again with another two or four years of power? Then they start putting it down on us again let's kind of just like the um we've been paying attention to the gas prices right like it's is it not evident to anyone at this point that the gas prices were artificially inflated Mm. because they're just magically going down leading into the midterm elections they're not artificially gary those are that's putin's fault (laughs) you know that right come on hey if gary can say it feels true john can blame it on putin (laughs) (laughs) and you know and it's it's like someone talked about i saw something online about this the other day it's like you know we just so we just went to your point in terms of people's memory we just went from like five dollars yeah you know, almost to to like four dollars in a in the span of thirty days, and it feels like relief. Yeah, but the truth is, it's still it's still four dollars a gallon. Yes, it's still <laughs> like two dollars and fifty cents higher than it was, you know, two years ago. Right. Yeah, and um, and it's funny. Yeah, we we don't even remember that it was a dollar fifty or a dollar eighty. You know? I cut. I caught myself doing it. I drove by a gas station the other day and I saw three. I saw a three in front of it. It was three ninety eight. And I was like, oh, gas is under $4. Yeah. Oh, wait, May, short wait, memory. Why am I excited about that? <laughs> Goldfish. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 
Uh, so I'm like I'm not excluded here. Like my my, it's, it's just it's a human it's thing. Human. Your memory just you, you get conditioned to certain things, and yeah. So if if that what what I'm trying to say is this podcast comes out on Wednesday, August third. Tomorrow's election day, August fourth. You need to get out and vote, people. Look, these elections matter. Uh, we've got some really important all across the state of Tennessee, really important um, state elections, but also it's important to recognize in counties where your school board and county commission elections are going on, this is the general election for those county-level elections, and um, we need to get out there and vote. And I'll give a shout-out. I don't think we have anything on our website, do we, about no Tennessee Stands website, but I'll give a shout-out to Williamson Families PAC. So if you go to williamson-families.org. Yeah, check them out. They have a really good list. They have the whole ballot, basically, and all of the candidates that conservative candidates that they endorse. Yep. It's a really least, good, it's a really good resource to use. At least for here in Williamson County. <laughs> That's correct. So, yes. Sorry, sorry that we don't have a lot of recommendations for I f- I forget that. Yeah. The state we're we're statewide, the state's, John. State's bigger. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. It's bigger for, than Williamson, for Williamson County. County specifically. By the way, I have a a partial answer to the question of whether Republicans vote more on election day than Democrats and Democrats typically do. I'll get you the full answer, but right now what I found from Pew poll of about a year ago that Republicans do indeed say they prefer voting okay. on election day. I'm going to keep digging here as we're talking. Okay. Hmm. What else you got, John? What, are we, what were we talking about? We're gonna, I was going to throw it to Kevin's thing next. Okay, we can talk about China. I can yeah. come back to this stuff. <clears throat> Let's talk about China. <laughs> yes, there's always... Which, which, may op, which may have something to do with our elections, maybe. We, we just don't know that yet. Always a Chinese component. Well, I have a piece of... China-related stuff I'd like to talk about. Well, we can get to that if you want to. Okay. I, I, we don't have to kick off with that. But. <clears throat> well, I, I want to I do two things on China. One is to bring another piece and then to tell you of, a, of 20 bullet points I put together in literally five minutes showing Connect the Dots on China. And, and it, will, it will make you pause when you think about this. But the, the email – or sorry, the, the news that came out this week – uh, if you haven't heard, is Chinese um, influence through the Fed. And uh, I'll hmm. start here from a story that this particular story is from the Center for Security Policy, and this is July 29th. Author is Christopher Holton. I'm just going to quote f- starting from the middle. Chinese influence was, quote, brought home this week again with the revelation that the Chinese have been conducting influence and infiltration, infiltration operations directed at the U.S. Federal Reserve one of America's most powerful and controversial institutions. According to the Wall Street Journal, over a period of 10 years, Federal Reserve employees were offered inducements by China for non-public economic data, including cash payments. In one case, an economist traveling in China was threatened with jail unless he provided the Chinese government with information. Several Federal Reserve employees tied to China are still today collecting a paycheck from taxpayers despite these revelations. Now, this Federal Reserve operation is instructive because most people wouldn't necessarily think of it as a target for for infiltration and nefarious foreign influence. But the actual staff of the Federal Reserve should know better. This kind of corruption that has allowed the Chinese to go from being a, quote, developing nation 30 years ago to an aggressive expansionist power with a primary aim of overtaking and replacing the U.S. as world leader. Now, 
I took this and I, I made a list because we, we've, we've talked about China here before. We've talked about the dangers of doing business with China, this, this uh, mythical belief that China is a near peer or a uh, economic friend rather than an enemy. And after, I put this article down and I thought, how many things can I come up with the top of my head that we know about China? And then I'm going to end it with something that we'll, we'll tie it all together. All right. Just connect these dots. 20. We know that China is buying farmland in the United States. That's well documented. We know that China is also buying land adjacent to U.S. military bases, both domestically and our bases in foreign countries. Uh, we know that Huawei, which always looks like a, a funny spelling of Hawaii, but Huawei, <laughs> <laughs> Huawei um, is infiltrating through 5G. And that's been proven, and there's actually been Chinese foreign nationals caught actually interfering uh, at tech towers and other places where that information can be compromised. We know that China has for decades funded Confucius Institutes. We know that China has funded U.S. newspapers and think tanks, mostly on the left, but not solely, some on the right. We know that the Chinese Communist Party has recently, it's been exposed that they have been receiving investment funding. I don't know if you followed this. Wall Street has invested now trillions in CCP-owned companies, including, and this is driven by BlackRock, including investments by our military personnel, like some of their 401k is actually going to support hmm. communist Chinese-owned. So wow. we're literally supporting our enemies. That's only point seven. Uh, point eight, occupying employment positions. We know about Facebook, Twitter, all of those social media companies, especially during COVID, uh, we found out about how many Chinese nationals were operating those. TikTok, obviously, mm -hmm. owned and controlled by China, gathering intel for AI. Direct compromise, the old-fashioned way, Eric Swalwell and others, mm. right? Um, the COVID lab, right? And the, the Wuhan virus. Overall, just watching our military readiness plummet because of the clot shot. And we're actually going to have a soldier on here in a couple of weeks, I'll tell you why he couldn't join us today um, to talk about that uh, right here in Tennessee. The proven ability of China to target and take out our satellites, which are the eyes and ears of our military. You go back as far as 2006. I don't know if you remember when China shot a satellite mm -hmm. down. They said it was an accident, but it was war footing. They're way ahead of us in nuclear and hypersonic for sure. Uh, remember, Chinese Communist Party is digging its own canal near the Panama Canal. So they, for years, not being able I to get through that. the Panama Canal. I didn't yeah. know that either. Yeah, so they have their own canal that they're digging. Um, so they'll be able to have ease of access without having to go all, way, all the way around the world or around the southern hemisphere. That's a game changer. Cooperating with old and new communist regimes in South America, southern hemispheres being overtaken by communists. Venezuela, recent elections in Colombia, Peru. Cuba, of course, Argentina, and soon perhaps Brazil. I, Paul, I had a, I mean, literally a news story come across my feed yesterday that Argentina was collapsing. Like, yep. collapsing. Argentina is definitely collapsing. Hmm. And the people are not willing to work. Even the Argentina, Argentine socialist communist government is saying, look, we can't just give, keep giving you free money anymore. You've got to work. And the people are upset. They're like, I can't believe any kind of, you know, moral government would make us actually work instead of sitting home. I, it's stunning. Wow. Um, okay, two, three more, then I'll give you my final point. You've heard about the Belt and Road Initiative, right? The Chinese goal to surround the globe with its control, and the way they do it is they fund loans to poor, mostly African countries right now, um, and other third world countries in exchange for what? 
mineral rights, <coughs> right, so that they can use for there their high tech. So let us build your roads and bridges, yep. and then when you can't pay us back, just give us all your minerals, and we'll use that f- to make our nuclear weapons. Um, the man-made islands, this has been going on for over a decade in the South China Sea and the military fortification of those islands, um, and then all the aggressive behavior toward Taiwan in relation to that. And then finally, of course, this Federal Reserve information. The point I made after this was I could add another 20 dots. That literally took me five minutes this morning. But I would say that anyone who looks at these 20 dots and is still unable to see the picture is willingly blind and in deliberate denial. And the problem is those who remain in denial about this the most are the ones who walk the halls of our government. We've seen that even in Tennessee. We know the investments that uh, in the encouragement of our governor, especially early in his term, for Tennessee businesses to to cooperate, yeah, to cooperate with China, as if China is just as if it's like going to Ohio, right? Tennessee to Ohio. Well, China, it's an it's another country. He he participated in uh, in a conference that was held in Kentucky on um, how governors and states could cooperate with the Chinese government and China-owned companies. And a lot of people, if they don't know, certainly the ones listening to this podcast know, but. Remember, there's no such thing as a private company in China. Every company in China that is allowed to exist must have some ownership, and usually it's majority ownership by the Chinese Communist Party. So it's a myth, and people need to get their heads out of the sand if they believe there is uh, some kind of a mirroring, like, oh, they've got their private companies, we've got our private companies. No, that's the way they infiltrate. Mm. Can you explain what what you call them? Confucius Confucius Institute. Institute. What is that? Yeah. So um, Confucius, you know the Chinese. Right. I get that. Proverbs. What they, is an institute? So they fund. <laughs> they fund the just just like just like the federal government does here, as we've talked about. They bait states into accepting all this federal money, and it comes with strings attached. Well, the Confucius Institutes are Chinese Communist Party influence operations in the form of teaching, quote unquote. American institutions about the culture and history of China. Mm. The problem is it's taught from the perspective of the Communist Party in China, not necessarily historically pre-Communist Party and, and, and the rich history of China that doesn't involve the Communist Party. Mm. And as these schools, once they get used to that money, of course, it's never shut off. It only increases. So they hire professors that are funded by Chinese national companies, and you then see papers coming out of institutions, whether it's a think tank, they're sponsored the same way, or students being taught things that are not true about China. Anything they can do to try to soften the edge, to make it look like, well, communism isn't bad, and Mao really didn't kill 60 to 70 million people, right? Anything they can do to influence the next generation that's going through these colleges, which is why, by the way, when the Confucius Institutes were first exposed uh, not first, when they finally became kind of a hot topic in the last year, all of your politicos were quick to say, oh, yes, we must get rid of the Confucius Institutes. Well, that's just the surface. If that's all you're – it's a great start, but if that's all you're going to do, you're not really making any uh, headway or impact. You have to look where that money is really going. But money, just like with everything else uh, in federal government to state, money is influencing these decisions. Mm. So I've got something really interesting for you. We've never talked about this before, and I've only I've I've not talked about this a lot. I feel like I'm going to start talking about it a lot a lot more in terms of one of the points you just made about the CCP government 
having to have some kind of ownership in yes. any quasi-private company. Yep. All right, well, check this out. This may blow your mind a little bit because that where where is this because uh, you got me thinking now of the the root of this amendment that's being made to our constitution and why this year so in in the state of tennessee um you know our constitution is is so unique in so many regards many state constitutions can be amended quite simply ours is about a six-year process Every General Assembly, we're, we're coming in in January, we're going to seat the 113th General Assembly in the state of Tennessee. Each General Assembly that is seated spans two years. And for a constitutional amendment to be made in Tennessee, it's about a six-year process. An amendment to the Constitution has to pass one legislature, which is a two-year span. Then it has to pass the subsequent legislature, which is which is a two-year span. Then it goes on the ballot of the pending gubernatorial race and must receive a majority vote of all those who voted in the gubernatorial race in the general election. So that's the process to amend the Constitution. Well, what I'm about to tell you just passed the 112th General Assembly. So it's passed the, the first, first test. And that amendment is, and, I, and I'm, I'm embarrassed, I cannot tell you the article and section number of... of wait a second, that's never wait, happened. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I can't. That's not the Gary I, I know. I can't remember. We need some bell or sound to signify. <laughs> I thought you walked around with those digits in your uh, head. I should. I can't remember, but... <laughs> I just need a womp, womp, womp. One of the sections of our Constitution prohibits our government, our Treasury, from investing state tax dollars in such a way where the state becomes any part owner right. of a bank or a corporate entity whatsoever. And and historically, that means that has limited our state to using, um, to quote unquote, investing in bonds or whatnot. Well, a amendment is has now been made. By the way, let me make sure everyone understands this because that this was set in committee. This is on record. Not at the request of the people, but this amendment was made at the request of the Department of the Treasury of the state of Tennessee. And their argument was is that we have all this money. Well, we, we need to get a, their their argument always is on all of these things is return on investment. They run the government like a business. Well, we want to make sure we're maximizing the return that we're being wise with the people's money. And so the amendment would now allow any state agency to request permission from the Treasury to invest <clears throat> taxpayer funds into banks and corporations. In other words, the state of Tennessee would now become, like Kevin said in China, the state of Tennessee now would have the ability to become legitimate shareholders and part owners, even majority owners, of private companies mm -hmm. by investment in shares. This doesn't strike anybody as weird. I'm like, what are we doing? <clears throat> and it passed. They all thought this was a phenomenal idea. Yeah, because we can get a bigger return on investment. We should invest in private institutions. You know what this sounds like? It sounds to me like all the phrases coming out of the World Economic Forum that you will own nothing and you will be happy about it. If the bank is going to own, right, and the government through the bank is going to own everything, 
th- this is absolutely <clears throat> World Economic Forum policy. Wow. So that's already gone through one. That's passed the first test. It's, it's passed the 112th General Assembly. Which means we have to get the word out and keep talking about yeah, it. Yeah, it's got to get killed in this yeah. next assembly. I mean, it should never even be on the ballot. Because, you know, it again, as, as with most things that take your liberty, it sounds reasonable. Well, yeah, well, we want to invest. I don't even know that it sounds reasonable. Well, but but they, they make it sound by saying, well, yeah, we want to invest and get a bigger return. I, I got an investment for you but to get that, a bigger return. <laughs> Have have the freaking Republican National Convention in Nashville and bring hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. into the economy. Well, There's your return on it's investment. The Dem- it's the Democrats stalling that one. I know. Uh, but that's my point, though. Is but like- the problem is we relinquish on on the principle of should the government be a part owner of a private company? No, no, no. It doesn't. The return on investment does not matter. The government should not be in that role. I, I own three, Period. and I don't want the state of Tennessee involved in any of them more than they have to be. Well, thank Which God except, for that. Except that I have to pay my you know right privilege to do business tax, oh, don't, that's it. Yeah, don't get us <laughs> talking about that again, because remember, I pay more on that. Uh, you mean the state of Tennessee regulates your business, John? Yeah, they do. Unbelievable. But apparently the governor doesn't know that, but they do. But they do. <laughs> By the way, that it shouldn't surprise us, because remember what happened during COVID. They told us that we should not be trying to stop, quote-unquote, private businesses from enforcing medical practices or medical conditions on our using their stores and buying goods from them. You know, we could buy them. I remember Jack Johnson telling me I could buy my groceries at a store by pull, what do you pull up in the car and have someone else shop. I'm like, I want to enter a store. If I want to yeah. enter a store, I shouldn't be discriminated. I'm like, well, Kevin, you can ride the bus provided you ride in the back of the bus. I want to feel the loaf of bread because I want to make sure the one I'm buying is not stale. <laughs> so this, They're going to give me the stale one. I don't want that guy picking my watermelon. I want to pick my watermelon. Exactly. <laughs> so, but it shouldn't surprise us that that same... That's the problem, and this gets back to not self-promotion of my book, but that was the point of Apologetic for Liberty. If we don't root these things in principle, if liberty just becomes cast aside and, and Republicans make the argument based on money, yes, return on investment, this is why they stumble into this belief that a private business, no matter how much that private business conditions or destroys our liberties, they're given free reign to do that because, quote-unquote, well, they're a business, and we're we're all concerned about jobs and money and profit. They've completely lost the moral argument. Mm. Yes, absolutely. So there's there's some there's some things we need to be vigilant about and watch out for. And um, yeah, that 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 amendment in particular would be um, atrocious yes. uh, to ever end up in our beloved state constitution. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. Uh, coming back to the China thing, <clears throat> this whole. Nancy Pelosi trip to Taiwan. First of all, why is she going to Taiwan? Why why is the third in line for the presidency going to Taiwan? Well, it's interesting cuz Nancy Pelosi seems ill-suited for that because she would she would be a one China advocate whereas if it were a more American-centered or American-centric house member, but the point is we have for Chesa a long... doesn't strike me as a very good negotiator slash peacekeeper. It's, it's not so. about that. Okay. It's about appearance only. It's about the United States sending a top representative to Taiwan, mm. and it's supposed to send the signal to China, 
we will defend Taiwan should you invade when they invade. Can we just say that? <clears throat> no, because your actions prove it as much. And, it, and by the way, the fact that China became, you know, Xi Jinping became so upset about it that he calls the president and says, you can't do this. You know, it's going to start a war and you're you're violating whatever they believe is so their sovereignty, right? They believe that Taiwan is part of China. Any other president, well, again, any other American-centric president would have told Xi Jinping, no, American foreign policy is determined by America, not by what Xi Jinping thinks. Mm -hmm. um, but Biden didn't do that. Biden kind of backed off. If you can believe the reports, you know, they always do a transcript of the telephone call and give it to the reporters. If you can believe those, Biden gave... Uh, kind of a weak, tepid response, which will only strengthen uh, the Chinese Communist Party to continue to push toward taking Taiwan. Which... You mean he forgot what he was saying while he said it? <laughs> no, in this case, I think he probably remembered what he was saying. <laughs> Did he fall asleep? <laughs> and and which Biden was it, right? Was it the bug-eyed Biden whose hair is parted on the right? Or was it the small-eyed Biden no whose hair is parted on the left? Oof. Uh, uh... Anyway, I'm, what I, <laughs> that just got us banned. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting down the conspiracy theory road. Uh, I'm just judging by appearance of a picture. That's all. What? So, are you in the camp that says go? Yes, go. Okay, absolutely. I just don't think Nancy Pelosi is the right person. Is the right her. person to do that? Well, is there a right person in that administration? In this regime? No, not in the Democratic Party. <clears throat> no. Okay, that was just curious. If you said like, someone like Jim Jordan, oh, there you go. Yeah, man, I would send Jim Jordan. I would send Jim Jordan or Rand Paul anywhere, in my opinion. Or send, yeah, um, but Biden sure as hell wouldn't. Or send, <laughs> or send Chip Roy, there you Texas. Go. Yep, someone like that yep. would definitely send a message. Yep, yeah. and Ameri obviously, if they if that's they the America message. <laughs> yes, if they wanted to send a governor, you know, because they sometimes do that, they could send Ron DeSantis. Oh, of yeah. course, he would send a signal. Now, so my other question is, if Nancy Pelosi goes into Taiwan, whatever aircraft she's riding on into Taiwan, is it escorted by American fighter jets? Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, but uh, China's already said if that happens, they will consider that an invasion. Hmm. That so was we'll that see. was said yesterday. Yeah, and they're testing. Yeah. And so what United States should absolutely do is say, well, then we're coming. Yeah. For that very reason. Because this is not your territory. Yeah. Test our resolve. Taiwan is, yeah, sovereign. Interesting. Okay. So I, that's why I brought it up because I wanted your y'all's take on it. Yep. But if I didn't emphasize, Nancy Pelosi's definitely the, wrong, the person. wrong person to do that. <laughs> Speaking of Nancy Pelosi, before we close. Oh, no. Go go there because I'm, I'm going to transition to some, some <laughs> that subject matter is yeah. coming. Yes. As you know, I'm running for state senate here in Tennessee and... Uh, it's getting a little crazy. Today, Mailer hit homes in Williamson County. This is the seventh one, two, this is the seventh negative Mailer. I hope I get this one. Yeah. And uh, of course, you know, previously, clearly, clearly to everyone who listens to this podcast, I was a, a Democrat in disguise. But now, but now there are two radical politicians that we just cannot deal with here in the state of Tennessee. One of which is Gary Humble and the other is Nancy Pelosi. What does Nancy Pelosi have to do with Tennessee? I don't know. <laughs> but, but the mailer shows my face and Nancy Pelosi's face in red. The two most radical 
politicians. Did you I notice, love the red. Did color, you notice yeah. by like the seventh negative mailer campaign, they finally stopped using a flattering picture of you? Yeah, they figured out that if you want people to have a negative opinion, make me look like catch me in some <laughs> weird screen <laughs> capture. They kept, like, they kept using like your professional photo. Oh, yeah, like, hey, thanks. I look yeah, great. I look, I look great. <laughs> it's a smear campaign, but I look good. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. My eyes went to that same thing when yeah. I first looked at that today. I'm like, yeah. oh, they finally got a they funny picture. They finally took a funny picture. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's fun times. Uh, hey, speaking of your campaign, though, and it is today is August 3rd, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out. So tomorrow's August 4th, Election Day, but we are also having an event. Oh, yes. Let's promo Ooh, that. Tomorrow an event. Tomorrow night. Yes. At Homestead Manor, we are having a, uh election viewing party, basically, yep. for... A couple of the candidates that... Um, yeah, Lisa Lennox, uh, <clears throat> running for county commission, mm-hmm. will be there. Mary Smith, county commission candidate, will be there. And Doc Holliday, yes, we actually have a candidate for school board named Doc Holliday. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's the most American thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and and uh, they'll be with us talking about uh, their experience yeah. on the campaign trail. So yeah, we're going to do a live podcast. We are going to do a live podcast from there. Well, recorded live, yeah. Yeah, but we'll have but the we'll audience. we'll be live in front of the audience. Oh, yeah. Audience yeah, participation. Yes, yes. We'll get like the buzz of the audience yeah. questions, right? Yeah. We're going to take some yeah. Q&A. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, We've never done that before. Clearly. So uh, as far as I understand, tickets are still on sale? Still on sale. So uh, TennesseeStands.org slash election night. So go grab some tickets. Um, even though it's the day before, I'm st- I, you can still grab them. You can still grab them. We'd love to see you there. <clears throat> Starts at si- six? Six. Yeah, yeah, six o'clock at Homestead Manor in Thompson Station. Yeah. So... TennesseeStands.org slash election night. There, there's a little food being served, right? There's dinner. Yeah, like dinner's full dinner's included. being served. There's going to be an op- uh, cash well, bar. Not open a, bar, cash bar. There's actually a dinner or like a, a buffet. It's tacos. Yeah, taco. We have we have app full like kind of appetizers, finger yeah. foosting, but also like some legit street tacos. Taco and bar. Taco. Yeah. 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 Mm. Be great. Cash bar. Be good. Be fun. Show up. One more thing before we go. Yep. Just in, I'm sure this will be no surprise, Pfizer shatters profit records, continues raising prices on taxpayer-funded liability-free products. Pfizer's Q2 Q2 earnings numbers parallel that of a top-five global energy company. Of course, a slight difference here is that the energy companies actually provide essential services for human flourishing, while Pfizer provides, well, government-backed snake oil. And I'll leave it with that. Those are the words of Jordan Schachtel from the dossier. Couldn't agree more. Shocker. Amazing. Hey, uh, I know Joe Rogan doesn't consider himself a conservative, but he's more than welcome to sit in this chair anytime he wants. Or he could sit in that chair or this chair. Hey, I'd give up my, my, I'd my give chair. Up, I'd give up my chair for Joe Rogan. <laughs> Gary, huh. you better too. I don't know. I I'll don't let, know, I'll Joe. Let, I'll let my bet go if you give up your chair for Joe. Okay, cool. Okay. Matt Walsh <laughs> is always welcome too. So, <clears throat> and we won't refer to him as any particular kind of fruit. I didn't. I didn't. But he's welcome. <laughs> All right. Till next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Matters podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. And remember, As revolutionary Thomas Paine once stated, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it.